Uh, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Absolutely. Isn't everywhere we are at always in the presence of God? Because we serve in what? Omnipresent Lord, right? Who's everywhere at all times. I just want to, um, I got to say this for just a moment. Uh, this week we had camp meeting and for our region. And I had the opportunity to attend it. And uh, we got to, it was great to sit in the services. It was great to hear the worship. But I must say there's nothing like, nothing like being back in your home church. When God begins to move and lives begin to be touched. And uh, this worship team's tremendous, aren't they? Absolutely. Well, today I am going to continue a sermon series that I started, which I feel like was a year ago. All right. Uh, but it's Dangerous Prayers. It was actually, I, I think I started it about a month, maybe a month and a half ago. And we got through uh, the first two uh, messages on it. Uh, we haven't been able to hit this last one. And I, to be honest, I was really unsure whether we would get to it uh, just because we had uh, different speaking schedules and we had different holidays and, and different events going on. But I uh, had a couple people come to me and they said, you know, you, you mentioned that there was another part to this message. Are you going to preach it? And I was like, well, I'm not sure, but I'm going to give it to you today. All right. And I think that you'll, you'll enjoy it. But Understanding in week one, I, I need to, to, to get you back up to date on it. Week one, we learned uh, to pray, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Or test me and, and reveal to me those things that I'm worrying. And remember, worry was this, something that we're not trusting God in. When you worry about things, ultimately, you're just saying, God, I don't trust you in this. All right? I only trust myself. All right? Uh, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me. Okay, I, I kind of giggle at that one a little bit. And lead me in, a, in the way of everlasting. And then week two, we, we talked about a very, very dangerous prayer where we prayed together, break me, God. Break me of anything that keeps me from being what? Intimate with you. Amen. In other words, what are those things that are causing a division between us and God? What are those things that are distracting between us and God? Those things that are trying to pull our attention away from God. Or those people that are trying to pull our attention away from God, right? Um, we could all learn a lot from these past two weeks and these prayers. But I think that most of the time what people apparently pray for in life are things that directly impact them or those that they love. For example, God would you do this for me? God, would you heal my family member? Would you help me to get into this school? Would you help me to find this job? Would you bless me as I do such and such? I mean, I think we can all relate that we have had those types of prayers in our lives. We have said those prayers. And there's really nothing wrong with those prayers. Nothing at all. In fact, I encourage you to continue to pray those types of prayers. But I think a dangerous prayer is this. God, what can I do for you? Not just, hey, bless me. Not just keeping me safe. But God, here I am. I am your servant. And I want to be available to you. So God, instead of what you can do for me, how do you want to use me? What can I do for you. Now, 
this, this, this is dangerous in, in, in several different ways. Um, God could lead you out of your comfort zone. God could cause you to go up to someone who you typically wouldn't go up to just to strike a conversation to try to build a relationship. God could cause you to lose some relationships. Ones that are toxic to your life. Maybe somebody you're dating you don't need to be with. God may be trying to break that. You see, it's a dangerous prayer because it's one that while we think in our minds is what we want to pray, sometimes the result of that prayer might not be what we truly want for our life. Sometimes we have to go through difficulties and struggles because God's trying to teach us something, to grow us so that we can become more mature in him and more solid in our relationship. Sometimes that prayer can be dangerous and it can hurt. I want to go over three quick responses with you uh, to, to how this prayer can lead in your life. And the first one is this. Here I am. I'm not going. Sometimes that becomes one of our first responses to that type of prayer. When we say, God, use me. What can I do for you, God? Our response could be, God, here I am. But I'm not going anywhere. Uh, Jonah chapter 1, starting at verse 1, this is what said. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Skip over to verse 2 for me. It said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. But what did, what did Jonah do? Go to the next verse, verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Jonah was given a call in this moment. He was, he was given instruction from God. His response was, here I am, God. Here I am. I'm listening to you. I hear you. But stop right there because I'm not going. I wonder how many times that you in your life, you have been praying a prayer of what I mentioned, which is considered a dangerous prayer in the sense of, God, here I am. What can I do for you? And God gives you, gives you that inkling, gives you that feeling inside of your spirit, inside of your mind, your thoughts. And right away, we classify those as that was just me thinking that. How ridiculous would it be for me to do such a thing as that? When in essence, what we're doing is we're saying, God, here I am. I'm listening, but I'm going nowhere. Second one is this. Here I am. Send someone else. <laughs> Keep laughing for a second. I need to either. I find that probably be the more popular one. Because we, 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 we kind of put on that super spiritual uh, garment for a moment and we say, yeah, God, here I am. I believe it. I, yes, that is exactly what you need to do and you, God, need to send somebody to do it. But don't dare it be me. You know, as a pastor in a church, here's what I get a lot. And Pastor Thorne can relate to this. And, and some of you actually could probably relate to this too. You know, we get a lot of people, we need this in our church and we need that. Great, lead it. 
Maybe God's put it on your heart to lead it and take off with it and go after it. Instead, you want to dump five million things on us. It got silent all of a sudden. Okay, we'll leave that alone. I hit an unpopular moment. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Here we go. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out. Now, what's, what's pretty cool about this, it's actually not so cool, is that God is giving and is instructing, giving an opportunity for Moses to do something. And if you look at verse 11, which I don't have up on the screen for you, but it says this. Who I am, who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? In other words, who am I? I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. Someone else would be better equipped than I am. Send someone else, God, I'm not the right person. I want to throw one in there for Moses. I'm too lazy. My schedule is too full for you, God. And I just can't find time. But we want, we, we want more of God. We got God, I need blessing in my home. God, I need a new job. God, I need you to bring the right person into my life. Which first of all should be God himself. Then everything else falls in place. We're speaking all of these things to God and all of these requests to God. And ultimately, God is saying, I'm giving them to you. The problem is, is you're saying, one, I'm not going. Number two, give it to someone else. And then number three, this is the one I like, and I hope that you do too, by the end of the message. Here I am, send me. Jonah says, here I am, I'm not going. Moses says, here I am, send someone else. But Isaiah prays a dangerous prayer, a very dangerous prayer. He says, when I heard the voice of the Lord, it said, whom shall I send? And he says, here I am. It wasn't, God, where are you sending me? It wasn't, God, how are you going to provide provision? It wasn't, God, you know, what's going to happen? I, I, need, I need you to give me a glimpse of the future before I act on this. His response was, God, send me. Here I am. I wonder sometimes if our prayers in our life should kind of go like this. God, I give you my mind. I give you my eyes. I give you my mouth. God, may I speak what you want me to say. God, may I hear only your truth today and have the wisdom to reject that which is not true. God, here are my hands. Use them as you please. God, may they be used to build your kingdom, not just my reputation. God, here are my feet. Lead me to where you want me to go. 
May they not be used for where I want to go. Help me to do what you want me to do. Essentially, our prayer needs to be, God, here I am. Send me. Isaiah 6 and 8, if you would jump over there for me real quick, just to rehash some of this. Said, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. But there's, there's a few verses before, if we would jump over to those right quick. And it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled what? The temple. There's a couple things that I want us to take a look at also this morning, and this is number one of them. A genuine experience needs to be with the presence of God. It went on to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What? His whole earth. The whole earth is full of his glory. God, here I am. Send me. Perhaps we are not obeying the voice of God in our life because we lack the presence of God in our life. What I mean by that is we understand that God is everywhere and he's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's all over the place. But are you allowing him to work and for his presence to move you in your life? Let me ask it this way. When is the last time that you can think in your mind when you had a moment that without a doubt in your mind, without a doubt in your heart this morning, you could say, I was in the most holy of holies when it comes to the Lord. You see, I want to give an example here for you. I was 18 years old. No, excuse me, I was 19 years old. And uh, somebody came to me one day here in the last couple weeks and said, Pastor Kevin, how did you know when you were to begin to, 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 to preach God's word, when did you know that you had your calling? So I, I want to share that with you for a moment here. I was 19 years old, and I always had a, uh, an inkling, so to speak, that, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to do something with my life when it comes to God. I just knew it. It was there inside of me. And... I remember one time getting desperate at the age of 19. I got desperate because I was about to make some crucial decisions for myself. 19 years old, crucial decisions. How, how important can that be, right? I laugh at it when I think about it. But it was. And I remember I was going to a secular school at the time, playing ball. But I knew that I had to make a decision soon. And... I decided in my mind, you know what, I've never done this thing called fasting. I grew up in the church, my dad's a pastor, but I don't believe I ever participated in it. Or if I did, it wasn't the right way. <laughs> and so I decided, I told nobody in my family, which is really hard not to do when you live with them. But I took every morning and I designated my mornings for a, for a week to be with God. Now we lived right, right beside the church 
And so I would, I would get the keys from my dad. I would wake up, get the keys from my dad. I'd go over to the church, and I would just spend time in prayer. And, and, and that was my fasting time. And um, I was doing this, and as I was doing this, I remember the first day beginning my fast and, and praying to God, and I was kind of proud of myself. I was like, all right, I got through day one. This is cool. And, and I remember day two, and I was, I was reading the word and praying and spending time with God, and I noticed some things started, uh, even in that, that quick, some things started to change. Kind of more of an intimate relationship started to build. Day three, four, five went on, and it kept growing and growing and growing. And then one day my mom came to me during this. She sat me down. Nobody in the house had talked to me about what I was doing, what I was going through. My mom sat me down and she said, I see you're going through a fast. And God's obvious, you're obviously needing an answer from God. And I said, yeah, there, there's something on, on my mind that I'm, I'm really seeking God's direction over. Okay, that's all she said. And we went on to just talking. Well, several, several minutes later, while we were talking, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she just stopped. She goes, I just got to tell you this. I was like, what's that? She's like, I remember when I was pregnant with you, and my mom still has this rocking chair to this day. I'm going to get that one day from her. <laughs> I would sit in the rocking chair as I was pregnant and wrap my arms around you or her stomach, whatever, and, and pray, God, this is the one I want you to use. That was pretty cool. I knew then my answer came like that. I knew what I was supposed to do. Now, I got a really cool story to tell you also. At least I think it's pretty neat. Um, obviously, I'm in the ministry, so I know what I'm supposed to do. And I'm not even looking for any type of answer right now. But this week, something remarkable happened to me. I was at camp meeting. And uh, myself, Mr. Joe Kowalski, we were getting our bishops. Joe. Good job. If you have not got to know Joe Kowalski and his lovely wife, Kathy, you need to do that. They're great people. But we were there getting our, um, our, our bishop certificates. And I put a picture on Facebook. Maybe some of you have saw it with our administrative bishop, Tom Madden. And I said, you know, hey, I got this, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You can look at it another time. And somebody put a, a, a message, a post on that that meant a lot to me. And Pastor, you'll know who he is, Rick Metzger at the Essex Church of God. Well, this happened at the Essex Church of God. He, he made a quick post. He said, Kevin, I remember, first of all, I'm proud of you. I know you're going to do great things, blah, blah, blah. He goes, um, I remember when you were dedicated and they brought you up and Pastor Hamby dedicated you before the Lord. And he said, God's going to use this one for great things. I don't say that to boast. I say that to this. I'm going to get on a soapbox here for a moment. It's all completely off of my message. There is life and death in the power of the tongue. You need to understand that. There is life and death in the power of the tongue. What are you putting into your kids? What are you speaking into your spouse? What are you speaking into your coworkers and your friends? There's power. 
Mm. And the tongue. What are you doing? Are you building up? Are you tearing down? Are you, are you destroying the calling on someone's life? Or are you creating the calling on someone's life? I'm going to get off of that for a moment. You see, sometimes we need to be in the presence of God. We need to continually in our life be in the presence of God. I'm going to give you another story here. Two weeks ago, I'm going to share this, and, and, and this couple knows that I'm going to share this. They do not live here. They live far away. All right? They may come back one day. I'll never let you know who they are. I promise you. One morning, on a Monday morning, I got up, and I went to my computer, and I'm doing my devotional. And I got an email pop up on my, my computer through my church email. And it said, my husband and I need prayer. Okay? I understand, I'm not downplaying it, but I get those from time to time. And uh, this individual sent that around 1 a.m. I was looking at the, the time, timeline there. And then another email popped up on, on my inbox, and, and it's from the same person. This was at 6.22 a.m. And it said, my husband and I need to come talk to you. We're on vacation. Okay. You know, first of all, I'm like, who are these people? What in the world do they want to talk to me about? I don't know them. They found us through our church website. If you haven't been there, churchbythebeach.org. It's a great website. Podcast, you can hear our messages. Little commercials, you like that? And so I'm, in my mind, I'm like almost horrible of me, almost going, what in the world are these people talking about? 8 a.m. I go, something just hits me, call them, because they left me their phone number. So I called them, and this lady gets on the phone. I don't know who she is. She don't know who I am. She goes, I don't know why we're going through problems. It all came about when we came yesterday to this island for vacation, and we got to talk to you. I'm like, why, why not this guy? <laughs> you know, there's... We got four, three, four other pastors on this island. Hit one of them up. I said, all right. <clears throat> I said, well, I said, I, and she went on to tell me some issues. And I said, I got to digest this for a minute. Let me call you back about 930. So I, I get ready for the day and I come back to the, I come to the office, 930. So long story short, I call her again and she's like, yeah, we really got to talk to you. We, I said, okay. Well, they come into the office and they're, they're, they're distraught. They're upset. I sit them down, and I said, so what's going on? Wow. Did I unload a question that was just going to be massive in that moment? And they begin to tell me some things about their marriage. One thing specific that started things, and then it was like a domino effect. This happened. This happened. This, 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 this. this. It just went on down the line. And I got overwhelmed in the moment. I said, time out. Stop. So I don't need to hear no more. So I'm going to ask you this question. How are you with God? Well, we go to church, Pastor. I said, That's great. The devil can walk into the church. How are you with God? And they looked at me. Dead silence, both of them. And tears started falling down their face. I said, where are you at with Jesus Christ? Well, we know all about him and we read the Bible. And, and 
again. That's wonderful. But where are you at with Jesus Christ? We don't know. I said, well, you see all these problems that you just gave at me today? Yeah. We got to make this spiritual correct before all these others can be right. And right there, they gave their heart to the Lord, both of them, which was great. I say that to say, when you want to move in God's spirit, when you want that relationship, you've got to be in the presence of God. When you're at the point where you can say, as Isaiah did, here I am, what? Send me. When was the last time you were in the thick of it? When was the last time you were truly in the presence of God? And then the second thing we need to understand is we need to have a genuine awareness of our sinfulness. In Isaiah 6, verse 5, he said, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. Other translations say, I am done. I'm going to throw this out there. I am nothing. I'm pathetic. I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer. He's holy. I'm not. He's righteous. I'm unrighteous. He's full of glory. I'm full of sin. Woe to me. I am ruined for a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Here I am, send me. Mm. We're good people. We're great people. Are we? Actually, we're wicked people. Actually, we're sinners. Actually, we're full of unrighteousness. Actually, we are not holy. And Isaiah in that moment realized this. It was a moment of evaluating himself. Whoa. I realize now. As I'm in the presence of God, I realize now that I'm not what I thought I was. See, that couple came in and that was a woe moment for them. They realized in that moment they were not who they thought they were. You know, I called them last week to check up on them. Out of nowhere. They, they, they probably never thought they'd ever hear from me again. I said, how are you doing? I said, well, we're, Pastor, we're doing great. I said, you are? I said, yeah, we're going to our counseling sessions to our pastor and things are going well and the, the, the husband goes, you know what happened? We gave our life to the Lord. I went to church that Sunday and things were different. Where are you at with God? Three weeks ago, I was before a man and uh, I'm briefly going to say this because I'm actually tying into another message I got to do later. Three weeks ago, not I met a man, I was with a man. And I had an agenda, and I knew what I was supposed to say. And I failed. I did not have that conversation. I let every other conversation take precedence. We talked about sports. We talked about kids. We talked about family. We talked about everything. Except for Jesus. I left that conversation so mad at myself. 
so frustrated, so let down. I talked to my wife. I said, I can't believe I did that. I talked to my pastor. I said, I can't believe this happened. I let it go right through my fingers. God gave me another opportunity, and I didn't let that one go to waste. Today, that gentleman was with Jesus. But... How many opportunities have you allowed to slide through your fingers? And I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about being in the true presence of God. How many opportunities have you allowed to slide through your fingers and, 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 then, and then look and, and wonder how in the world and, and why did things go the way they've gone? And how has life gone this direction and that direction? How has our priorities changed so much? How have we drifted so far from God? Because we ignore the woe is me. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. He is righteous and I am unrighteous. He is holy and I am unholy. Where are you with God? How is that relationship going? See, Paul said... I die daily. He said, I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, I live. It is no longer I who lives now, but rather it is Christ who what? Lives in me. You see, it's not enough to say that you have the knowledge or that you come to church or that you attend the study. But does Christ live in you? Is he truly the Lord of your life? I'm totally turning this message from a, to a different direction now. Is he your number one? I, um, I've, I vowed to my wife, to pastor, and to God that I would never let another moment slip through my fingers again. And I feel like God is just directing me to say, don't allow this to slip through your fingers this morning. Where are you at with God? Where's that relationship? Is there a relationship? Or have you dropped the ball on that relationship? Do you feel like you're a million miles away from him? Or do you feel like you're right in the presence of him? I love those words that Paul said. I'm crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, I live. Break me. That's a dangerous prayer. Search me. That's a dangerous prayer. Send me. As Isaiah said, that's a dangerous prayer. I think sometimes people are just afraid. Sometimes I think they're afraid because I think the challenge is going to be too greater than they think they can handle. I think the lifestyle that's going to be expected is too greater than they can handle. Afraid that God's going to call them or lead them, provoke them to do something that they don't want to do. If that's the case and their faith isn't 
in God, but your faith is in yourself. So where are you at with God? When's the last time you've been in the presence of God? So, oh, well, Pastor Kevin, we're always in the presence of God. True. When's the last time you accepted the presence of God? There's a difference. When's the last time you accepted the presence of God? I want you to stand to your feet for me. I can remember in my mind, as I look back when I was 19, I can remember walking across that church parking lot that first day to start that fast. In my, moon, in my mind, I was going, all right, God, this is it. It's, it's, it's kind of like make it or break it. I'm giving him a, you know, an optimatum here. <laughs> and I remember walking across that parking lot Turning the key, walking in that church. It was an old church, too. There's big wooden doors that would, you know what I'm talking about? And I remember pulling it open and walking down. I remember walking to the altar and getting on my knees for the first time. Really, I didn't know what to say on this prayer. All I remember, I, God, just do whatever you got to do. Sometimes that's all you need to say. God, do whatever you need to do. That's a dangerous prayer. Nineteen years later, here I am, and I'm doing what God wants me to do. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. A few verses later, he realized where he was at with God, and it wasn't where he needed to be. Until he realized where he was with God, he was not able to say, Lord, send me. It took a moment of realization. It took a moment to, 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 to confess, God, I'm not who I thought I was or who I think I am. I think somebody here needs to hear that today. Or some people in this room need to hear that today. And you need to understand Maybe you are not where you need to be with God and you're not at the place where you can say, God, here I am, send me. See, for Isaiah, it was just a few verses. It was just a few moments. He saw his sinfulness. He saw his unrighteousness. He saw his unholiness. He saw his lying lips. He saw his sin. He saw all of this. He saw his impure thoughts. He saw all of that in that moment. In the scripture says the angel took the coal and placed it upon his lips. Why? To bring purification. His example for us is the sins of being forgiven. Making it new. Moving on. What was old was old. Now let's move on. Here I am. Send me. So where are you at with God? Where are you at? Because I see individuals in this room full of potential, talents, abilities, giftings, and callings. 
But until you realize, whoa, I'm a man of unclean lips. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Then how in the world can you ever get to the place where you say, God, here I am, send me. See, we want more of God. Search me, Lord. Right? Break me, Lord. Now today it needs to be send me, Lord. So my question is this. Everyone looking around. Yes, not, no head bowed, no eyes closed. Everybody's looking around. Don't be ashamed. He was never ashamed of you. If that's you today and you want to say, Pastor Kevin, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord. But before God can truly use me, there's some things he needs to work out. Or you might be thinking to yourself like that couple did, Pastor Kevin, I go to church. I go to church, I'm at studies, I'm, 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 I'm posting and retweeting a verse of the day. It doesn't make you a follower, except on Twitter. Here I am, send me. Or maybe you're an individual in this room this morning who says, <clears throat> you know, I don't have that relationship. Or I did at one time and I let it go and I want to grow. I want a relationship with God. I want a relationship with His Son Jesus.